our next guest, our first guest today, uh, returning uh, guest, uh, Ron Hosko. This is a gentleman that has taken uh, that advice to heart, okay? Uh, Ron Hosko is the uh, president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, and uh, he's a guy that uh, you talk about an onion toter, okay? Um, guy has been uh, awarded commendations for bravery in action in the FBI, uh, former assistant director of the FBI, and uh, saw a need uh, to help our uh, law enforcement officers who are just so under attack. And he looked in the mirror and said, you know, send me, Lord, I'll go and I'll get this job done. Did, did I get that right, Ron? Well, <laughs> well, that's uh, in large measure true, Craig. I, uh, uh, I am, uh, after 30 years in law enforcement, I wanted to find something in my retirement that still kept me close with law enforcement and helping them, helping them, uh, spread their message and, and make clear the facts about law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that is uh, very much true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a great interview with Ron yesterday, folks, uh, as I sat in for the Lee brothers. And, uh, so, but there's, there's just so much, this is so important. I wanted to have Ron back to share with our Saturday audience. And, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about yesterday, Ron, was the fact that what you all do with the, uh, law enforcement, uh, legal defense fund that you you have a uh, a component that helps law enforcement officers, but you also have a component that helps educate the citizenry. And so let's let's talk about that component first. Uh, how there's so much negative information and in certain pockets in this nation is so unfortunate, but young people are taught that the police are the enemy. Well, that's uh, very much true. And look, we have to face the reality that there are some tough neighborhoods in America, particularly in our in our urban centers. We have uh, kids who are, uh, you know, very often from broken homes who are, yes. uh, you know, in a tough educational position, which puts them in a very difficult deal economically to, you know, their, their futures are not bright. Um, you have abusive relationships. You have the infestation yeah. of gangs. Mm -hmm. um, and you, a you spiritual a deficit. A absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I say it often, you know, the, these, uh, the folks that are filling up the churches on Sunday mornings are not the folks who were out in the streets late Saturday night looking to shoot somebody, looking mm -hmm. to exact their revenge. And so somehow we have to move that ball. And unfortunately in America – we depend too often on the police to, to be the, the problem solver for anything. We see it in the schools. We see it with mental illness. Mm -hmm. uh, much of what the police face is really not a policing matter. Yeah. It, it's for some other part of our community, some part of our, some other part of our government, some other institution, you, you know, you look no further than mental illness. Our mm -hmm. jails are filling up with the mentally ill. Why? Because wow. the police respond. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and we see yeah. often encounters and fatal encounters with the police mm -hmm. that involve the mentally ill. Mm. And, so, you know, that's so, that's very instructive what you said, that because I've often heard it stated that the police, they're like the last line of defense. But 
the, what you just hit on is the simple fact that if some of these front lines, if the family didn't break down, if the church didn't break down, if social services didn't break down, if mental health didn't break down, if uh, if there was not pharmacia, okay, which is you know a biblical term, and my Christian brothers will know what pharmacia is, but you know this is an attempt to control people by you know making drugs readily available and uh, and making it socially acceptable it which is a way to control people and so when all these things happen and there are many people that did not answer a call the police always answer that's right that's right when you call 911 almost always the police or or you know other first responders are going to come they're not going to tell you no they're not going to say mm-hmm. that's not for us they're going to show up and we see increasingly uh, these difficult encounters, many of which are being recorded on body cameras or on some mm-hmm. other uh, other installed camera device, where the police respond to something, they they feel compelled to take some sort of action, and suddenly they're in trouble because they've had an encounter with a disruptive student. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we've seen it all across the community. And I think we need to go back and, and start to ask some fundamental questions about what is policing supposed to be? Is it supposed to fill the void with every, you know, between every other community service? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we know we saw it here in Virginia a few years ago, where one of our uh, state representatives was attacked by a son with mental illness, uh, and 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 that yes. that state representative was trying to get help for his son. Mm-hmm. There were no beds. There were mm-hmm. no beds. I, rem- so I remember that tragedy. Yeah, That's right. Very so very tragic. tragic circumstance. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg with mental illness. But uh, as you said, you know, who comes? The police come. Right, right. And then, and, and the sad thing, and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, a lot of what I do on this program is, is, is spiritual and political. And, and, and it's a shame that there are politicians that they cynically use uh, this, this area where there are these two sides, you know, one side that has a need to maintain order and another side that's just anarchist in nature uh, because they've, they've been brought up almost allowed to grow like a weed, you know, not cared for, not instructed, not taught. And when, when, when a situation comes up where there's conflict, there are people in power that see an opportunity to feed anger of a community in order that that community would vote for that person. And let's talk a little bit about that and and how that dynamic uh, gets innocent police officers caught up into things where they're just really trying to do their job and do their job in a matter of a split second. Well, we've seen it repeatedly just in the last few years uh, certainly, we saw it with Ferguson, where a poisonous narrative uh, was spread by a young man who ended up as uh, the, the, the DOJ uh, witness 101 in the DOJ report of Ferguson. Mm-hmm. His name was Dorian Johnson. He spread a lie about Darren Wilson basically executing his friend Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. And and we see what I, I believe is an all-too-willing mainstream media to get there with their cameras, get there on the ground, uh, magnify the lie, spread the lie without question, and suddenly mm-hmm. we see we see businesses who are completely uninvolved in this being burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. So so other innocents get hurt in this financially, physically. Uh, we saw it in North Carolina. 
yeah. down in Charlotte uh, two years later, mm-hmm. where uh, the story was that uh, this man had had nothing in his hands. He had maybe he had a book in his hands. The family was complicit in in sharing that mm-hmm. uh, that lie. Now, can you and, can and you we, can you hold on while we sure. go to news break? Okay, sure. and if you're just joining us, we have Ron Hosko, president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. We will be right back. Next to you, and to the program, America, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, if you're just joining us, folks, we have a Really Real Deal guest with us, uh, Ron Hosko. He's a former assistant director of the FBI and now for the last several years has been president of the uh, Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. And, uh, yeah, Ron, uh, where were we there um, with the, um, the, the, the situations with the uh, police officers uh, coming under attack? And you, you brought another great point out that not only do these false attacks and lies that are told on police officers when there is uh, contact uh, with, um, with citizens, but there are a lot of other innocents that get brought into this, uh, like all the businesses that got burned down in uh, Baltimore, in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, you know, and, and quite often this happens in minority neighborhoods and uh, these, these uh, politicians quite often, I hate to just make it racial, but, you know, I'm black enough to get away with this. <laughs> but, um, and it's just truth. This is, you know, it's, I mean, anyone could say it. It's truth. Um, but the, the simple fact of the matter is that if there is a shooting and it's black on black, the media ignore it. The black so-called leadership class, they ignore it. And if it's a white officer and a black victim, then they act like it's done purposely. Okay. And so, and everything else is just totally ignored. Uh, for example, out in Utah, there was a, uh, a black state trooper who shot a 19-year-old white kid, and this kid was, uh, I think he had earphones, uh, so he was listening to music, and he was doing something that um, the shopkeeper thought was, um, you know, he was doing something that they thought was wrong and they should call the police for, and the guy did did not hear or listen to or follow the police orders, and made a move that the police interpreted as he was reaching for a gun and a police officer shot him and killed him. You know, this was a white teenager, a black officer, and it, you know, no one in Utah burned anything down. They didn't protest. The news, the news media didn't show up. And so we have that dynamic and, you know, we cannot ignore that. It's, it's, it's a fact and it's a very, very unfortunate fact, but it is a, it's a fact 
And uh, so, you know, what has your research shown in, in, in that area? Well, I think you're, you're, uh, we have seen and we worked with the Media Research Center a few years ago on this issue, uh, particularly focused on Ferguson and the hands up, don't shoot narrative mm-hmm. and, and how many times that was repeated in the mainstream media Thousands. until it was, it, well, absolutely. And it was, it was over and over again ad infinitum, despite the, 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 the truth starting to come out publicly by November mm-hmm. saying that, that that narrative was simply false. Mm-hmm. It, it was a myth. Yeah. And it took, and some of the uh, mainstream media, and I, look, I've been a, a steady critic of the Washington Post because they, I think, are, are they love to, to uh, stoke the flames of black versus white, particularly when yes. it comes to policing. It, it's and ugly. So I've been, and it, it's it, deadly. It's, it, it, it actually causes more people to die. I believe that is absolutely true, Craig, and and that is it is so unfortunate. Um, but you know, nicely, the the Washington Post took it upon themselves to do a tally to to start to count how many lives were taken by police every year. And and frankly, I think, and I've, I've written about this, that that the Post painted themselves into a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true that the FBI, because they collect statistics voluntarily from police departments. Uh, and so, you know, voluntary is good, but it, it's never going to get you to 100%. And so the Post started to do its own research on killed by the police. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, I think they counted 963 people who were killed by police. You can go online to their to their database and look at these numbers. So, so let's say 963. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many unarmed black men were killed by police that year? How many? In, in a In a... In a country where we think this is a daily problem, right? It must be a, a, a daily occurrence because there's so much noise around it. 42. Mm-hmm. 42. Three quarters of the people killed by police that year, by the way, were armed, mm-hmm. had a knife, had a gun. And I don't think the public has a, a good appreciation for those facts that, that it, you know, if you want to avoid being killed by police, don't run around with a gun. Don't mm-hmm. run away from them. Right, don't, right. Don't disobey their, their, their commands. Don't run away or turn on them with a gun in your hand because guess what? That that is almost assuredly going to get a sh- you know shots fired at you. Yeah, and because see, police are acting defensively. Yeah, and these these poverty pimp politicians, they literally have blood on their hands because if they were to say that, and these these uh, black athletes that make money selling five hundred dollars sneakers to poor people. Okay, if 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 these guys were to just say that type of the type of thing that if these young kids had a father, a good father would say, you know, son, if you know, if you have a problem with the police, if whether the police is right or wrong, you need to obey. And if they're wrong, you get to live and deal with it in court. Okay, that's right. But instead, from Barack Obama on down, Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, you name the poverty pimp Negro politician, and to a person, they will not go before the cameras and say that. Instead, they stoke this this false narrative of, um, you know, uh, white police officers with fangs and blood dripping and put in the mind of the young black male that you know, he, he somehow, he has an enemy, and it's, a, and it's a sad commentary that a young black man has a higher life expectancy in a war zone in the Middle East than in the south side of Chicago. 
It, it is a sad commentary. And, and when those uh, tragic events occur, where it is, you know, white police officer and, and young black man as, as, a, uh, as a victim of that white police officer, um, you're exactly right. We're going to hear from Jesse Jackson Jr., Jesse Jackson Sr. We're going to hear from Al Sharpton. We're going to hear from Benjamin Crump and the others yeah. who want to flock to that event. And and before the facts are known, they have their conclusion in hand. Yeah. It's self-serving. It damages trust in the uh, in the police. It damages relationships. They don't care. Yeah. It's self-serving. It is their mission. It's their narrative. And they're going to stick with it. And and the harm is, I think, continuing because all it does is drive a wedge between the police and the community. Yeah, yeah. And Obama even once famously said, uh, this is a direct quote, folks. I don't know all the facts, but I think the police acted stupidly. Okay, so <laughs> he could have just stopped that. I don't know all the facts because stop. Ron, that, yeah, that's what I do. I mean, when um, the Trayvon Martin thing occurred and I saw the picture of this, I was like, oh, wow, that cute little boy that had a picture of him when he was eight or nine years old. Right, and uh, right. but I when uh, and someone called my radio program, asked about us. Well, look, I don't have all the facts yet. And then I find out after I did my research, that that picture was an old picture and he was 17 years old, you know, and, you know, I remember when I was 17, I was a pretty strong guy at 17, football player, you know, year-round athlete. And uh, and so that just, that changed the thing. And, and, and same thing with hands up, don't shoot. I didn't comment until I went, did my research and got my facts. And I found out that, you know, the hands up, don't shoot was, as you, as you accurately point out, Ron, it was a totally made up false narrative, you know? That's, that, that's it. And we've seen it over and over again. I think you're, you're right. Uh, President Obama, for being an incredibly smart man, a lawyer, knows better, yes. uh, whether it's policing or, or some other aspect of our world, knows enough to say, look, let's get the facts first. Let's get yes. the facts right. And he did it over and over again. And it, to me, it was astounding. You know, I, I stay in close contact with a number of police organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, this this national conversation was starting up in, in uh, 2015 and 2016, you know, to his credit, uh, President Obama commissioned a uh, 21st century task force on policing. And they came back with a number of, uh, I think, obvious and, and a number of good recommendations for policing. The trouble was, and so I give uh, President Obama that credit. Mm -hmm. The problem was he could not hold his tongue when it came to these these incendiary events. Right. And all, all, all that happened was it made the event worse. We yeah. know that the media is going to flock to these things. Mm -hmm. We know that controversy sells. That's what the media is about. But for the president of the United States to stoke those those flames as well mm -hmm. was complete folly. Yeah, complete folly. Well, that's what all communists do. They uh they 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 divide and conquer. Leaders unite, conquerors divide. And so this is just a classic divide and conquer. You find uh, pressure points in a society, and you and you rub them until it's raw. And, uh, and you get one side hating the other, and then you can control both sides. And so this it's is— as simple as that. Yeah, it's, 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 simple yeah as that. it's not complicated, and it's not new. And no. so, you know, but listen, let's start. We, we got a few more minutes before we have to go to break. Uh, you have an event, and I'm so honored and pleased to be participating in it. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
So we did buy a uh, police training simulator. We uh, actually upgraded one that we had a few years years ago, and and with the idea of taking it on the road, bringing in people from the community, from the media, uh, people you know who are in a position to influence and, and share information with others. And and so we uh, put on one event down in, in Norfolk about two weeks ago. We're coming to Richmond, uh, where we have a great group coming in on Tuesday. Uh, and, and what we do, we're not trying to set, you know, our guests up for failure. So we will discuss some of these, uh, facts about law enforcement, about policing. And then we talk about the, the case law that surrounds the use of force, uh, Supreme court decisions so that our, our guests, you know, have some, um, understanding of the law. And then we talk about, uh, we have a, 30-year veteran from the Fairfax uh, County Police Department and a a, uh, police tactics trainer uh, on our staff, and he will talk about various tactics, answer questions, and then it becomes your turn. Uh, the, the guest's turn to to stand in front of a uh, a number of simulated scenarios using a laser equipped uh, actual handgun and Glock. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, a Glock handgun and a, a taser and make decisions based on what you see on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do I pull out a gun? Do I just shout commands? Do I wish for the best? Or do I have to get out a weapon and fire it? And, and so we put that decision-making on you mm-hmm. to, in effect, try to put you in the police officer's shoes, mm-hmm. uh, encountering what's very often the unknown or, or a situation that may change, uh, that, that is not as it appears. Mm-hmm. And we let you make the decisions. And then we kind of walk through the decision-making. Uh, why did you do that? Why did you fail to do something? Why did you do something? Um, you realize you're going to be charged with a crime now because of mm-hmm. how you responded. And, and we are trying to do it in a, as realistic a setting as possible without um, taking some physical steps to drive up your blood pressure and drive, <laughs> drive up your heart rate. <laughs> I'll only have one it. cup of coffee that morning well, <laughs> rather I, I than my regular it. three. <laughs> I, I would recommend it because it does just um, being put in that, in that situation will have that effect on our guests that mm-hmm. suddenly, boy, this feels quite real. And, yeah. and um, am I going to make a good decision or am I going to be embarrassed in front of uh, other other guests here? And, and we just want to, you know, give uh, the people in the community a, a chance to, to understand what it is to feel like the police for a few moments. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, it, it, this will be very, very interesting. It'll be a good experience for me. And uh, and I'll be looking forward to uh, reporting back to the audience uh, how the Hatchet Man did. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, that. Hello, oh, we, we 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 lost him here. Okay, are you there, Ron? Okay, let's just let's let's go to break now. Thanks, Craig. I'm, oh, I'm back with you. I'm oh, okay. With you. All right. Great. Great. All right. Well, look, we we have to go to break anyway. Uh, we got another guest to uh, line up. But listen, this was really really good. I'm so glad that um, you opted to come and share with uh, the audience here at the Really Real Deal. And I'm looking forward, and maybe we can have you back again sometime. 
I'd love to do it. Oh, now, before you go, you have to, one thing, you have to let folks know, uh, we didn't get into it, we got into it yesterday, folks, but uh, another big uh, component of what they do is they provide funding for police officers that are falsely accused and they have a stellar record. And uh, and it's not it is not an inexpensive proposition. A lot of these police officers are they're they're bankrupted. Okay, and uh, so we I need you out here in the Christian conservative constitutional capitalistic coalition to listen. Uh, write down what Ron is going to tell you, and go to the website, pull your checkbook out, and send this man some money. Uh, go go ahead, Ron. Well, thanks so much for that, Craig. We do great work. We are very successful in the cases that we undertake. Your your audience can see us by searching policedefense.org. We are the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. Uh, we did provide uh, funding for the Baltimore 6 case, the, the six officers who were charged, uh, we think, based on politics rather than the facts by Marilyn Mosby a few years ago in the Freddie Gray matter. Uh, and and a, a number of other police officers around the country. Uh, we take the right cases, and we are succeeding almost 100% of the time in the work that we do. These these officers need our help. Uh, if you're charged with a, a felony um, in the line of duty, it is going to be a very expensive proposition to clear your name yes. and get back to work, and we yeah. are succeeding in doing that well, well, with God the community's help. God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work. Tell them one more time that website. We are policedefense.org. Policedefense.org. Okay, policedefense.org. Thank you so much. God bless. I'm looking forward. I'll see you Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Okay, bye now. Okay.